0: May all beings be happy. May all beings be healthy. May all beings be free from harm. May all beings love life. May all beings awaken. Welcome to another Q Audio podcast. I'm D.C. Pupa of Q Audio and Q Archives, preserving the legacy of Shinryu Suzuki and those whose paths crossed his. And anything else that comes to mind? I pray that you and yours are safe and comfortable, free from economic hardship, and able to get out and do whatever it is you want within the limitations of the universal precept of do, as little harm as possible. So today we have a guest, Willem Malten. He came to the San Francisco Zen Center straight from his native Netherlands uh, in the mid-70s. Uh, he was a student there for years, and uh, he uh, learned how to bake when he worked at the Tassara Bakery. And uh, he went to Santa Fe and started uh, uh, the Cloud Cliff Bakery there. And um, uh, it was uh, really great. <laughs> I loved Cloud Cliff. He's still baking. He's got another place going and other baker's Uh and uh, he has a very uh, colorful past with uh, adventures uh, in South America and uh, friendships and acquaintances with uh, Covencino and the Dalai Lama. Oh, but he didn't get to the Dalai Lama on this one. Maybe the next one. And, uh, you know, Richard Baker. And, and he's been very involved with the anti-nuclear work. So we'll hear all about all that stuff. Or we'll hear a little bit about all that stuff uh, when we talk to him now as soon as uh, we've had our pause to meditate. So when you hear the bell, if you're of such a mind, hit pause and meditate or whatever for as long as you wish. And when you're finished meditating or whatevering, uh, hit unpause. And we'll be here to hit the bell to end the meditation or whatever. and. Uh, We'll give Willem a call. Hey David. Hey Willem. How you doing?
1: Oh I'm doing really great. Uh, it's just starting to rain and uh, hmm. uh, it's beautiful.
0: Oh well that's good. Always good when it rains in Santa Fe. Where are you?
1: Yeah I'm in my house.
0: Is it Santa Fe? Uh,
1: yes it's in Santa Fe.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It's
1: right uh, close to the center. i um,
2: Hmm.
1: I'm, uh, I'm a little bit like uh, Elon Musk. Uh, I have my bakery in my business, or my
0: my living space in my business. Your wonderful restaurant, Cloudcliffe. Was it called Cloudcliffe Bakery? It was called Cloudcliffe Bakery, and uh,
1: Cloudcliffe is actually... The name that uh, uh, Baker Roshi uh, uh, initiated me with. Oh. Uh, but uh, it's really the name that later on, Covencino claimed that he was the one that gave that name to me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so it's
1: a funny thing.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, um even the, the, I think even the last time I saw you in Santa Fe, you'd, you'd rented out the restaurant part, but you were still baking bread over on the right side and at an office over there. But that's yes, no more, huh? That is no more,
1: but I have a beautiful place, and I'm sorry that you can't see it, uh, but I'm a little bit outside of the middle of town uh, on 2nd Street, and uh, um, I have a, a, a fairly large building or a big building, like 7,400 or 7,500 square feet. Oh yeah, that's pretty good. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's pretty good. And on uh, on uh, a thousand square feet of that uh, in the same place, I live. And then there's the bakery. And then there's still room uh, artists all the way on the other side. So uh, that's my situation now. It has been my situation for a long time. Uh, uh, just maybe after you left here, just after you left here, I probably bought this place.
0: Hmm. 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 Um, so uh, well, you're always involved in interesting things. What are you involved in right now?
1: Uh, I'm involved in uh, uh, in trying to stop Los Alamos uh, nuclear weapons seeing that is still going on uh, so I'm a little bit uh, in activism there uh, and then uh, for the rest I'm uh, I'm, I'm I'm trying to uh, uh, help uh, the. Uh, actually, two bakeries moved in to my place. Oh. Uh, one is the Cloudcliffe Bakery, and the other one is called Levan Bakery. And it's. Uh, but they're all apprentices of mine mm. at one point. Mm. Uh, but now I'm all retired. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Huh. Well, are you still baking bread? No. Oh
1: goodness! I'm not. They do everything, and they so much better than I will ever be. So it's not even a chance that I would help them.
2: Oh, uh, it's that's not, good.
1: Not quite like that, but uh, <laughs> uh, I I don't have to bake anymore, and I won't. But uh, I have two crews of people uh, that are baking that are really good at what they're doing. And they're my friends. And uh, I really enjoy uh, enjoy my life the way it is. Mm. Um, so, uh, And I have a big, uh, really big dog, uh, a Kida dog that oh, guards yeah. my place and guards the whole building and bakery and uh, and so that is really nice
2: mm. and
1: then around the whole place I think I'm here on half an acre of land uh, so uh, minus the building uh, that is all gardened so it's really quite nice to be here, quite
0: beautiful Well I'd love to come see you um yes. Yeah. I wish I wish that. <laughs> <laughs> that would be good. I don't know if I'll ever get out of here. Yeah, well maybe I go visit there. Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah. You're in Bali still, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, you'd like it here. Uh Yeah, I love it there. Uh, there's a lot of good bread here. Oh, that's uh, good. Well, you're Dutch, and there's yeah. a lot of Dutch here. Uh, yes, of course. And uh, but you know, it's like there's all sorts of people making good bread. Uh, yes, of course. It's it's sort of like California, you know, or Santa Fe. Uh, it's, it's almost Yeah. Well, well, there's all these uh, expats here. This, you know like ten yeah. twenty thousand I don't know, so um uh there is and and a lot of stuff is better like I never liked feta cheese that much till I came here and I asked uh, a guy I know uh, he's called Bali Bill he's been here forty years or more I said yeah. I told him that he said, well, that's because here it's made by Greeks and Italians." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and you can get baklava made by Greeks here. I haven't seen that in a while, you know, because of COVID, things uh, slowed down. You could uh, enjoy yourself here Uh, anyway. Yeah, I
1: know, I know. And I want to go there because, you know, at one point that, I think, in the media was Dutch colony, you know.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. You're darn right it was. A long time ago. Yeah. 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 It was the Japanese who liberated it.
1: <laughs> yeah, Japanese who liberated and et cetera. But uh, uh yeah, before that it wasn't judged
0: for Yeah. The um the uh, after World War Two, uh, Alan, Allen, you know, took it over again and and uh, right. Indonesia fought back and a thousand yeah. Japanese soldiers stayed behind and fought with them. And, oh really? I didn't oh, know yeah. that. That's, yeah, uh, yeah, they They only learn if you live there. Yeah, they, they, yeah, right. They, 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 they took care of that with, within a year, or so it was, it was quick. Uh, but
1: yeah. I've
0: never heard anything negative about Dutch here
1: uh
0: well you know it was just a colony you know so yeah, so, yeah. well they they massacred uh, the royal fam a couple of royal families here but that's because the, the royal family stood up against them and said no we will not capitulate and they had like spears <laughs> and yeah stuff and uh and uh the, the army just mowed them down really uh and that's a big thing. There's uh, big parks named Puputot, named after that.
1: Uh, okay.
0: Yeah.
1: So uh, they
0: do yeah, but you know, all that was a long time ago. I yeah, think they have they have more resentment against the the right wingers here when Suharto took over from Sukarno, and you had like 30 years of dictatorship. Uh, yes. And a lot of a lot of a tremendous amount of uh mass murder at first, like half a million, a million yes. communists, which meant uh Chinese mainly. Uh, but yeah, anyway, uh, all right, now moving on from there.
1: I said I do not know much about
0: that history, yeah, other
1: than shortly after the second world war. It became a real country and they
2: threw the Dutch out. Yeah. So
1: probably with good reason. And uh, hopefully the Dutch lost some good things there. I
0: don't know. Yeah. It's, you know, I, I only know Bali, uh, although there's many people from other islands here. And I spend a lot of time with yeah. mus- Muslims, uh, mainly from Java. Uh, yeah. From Java and so on. Oh, fine. I like, I don't prefer uh, Hindus to Muslims. Uh, no you know they're fine they're great uh yeah. <laughs> but anyway all right um now uh you used to go to where'd you go to Ecuador I used to go to Peru Peru yeah yeah I was just uh, thinking there in the the like the headwaters of the Amazon so uh, yeah and and you made a movie about it and you had one of your yeah. Your uh, restaurant customers, Gene Hackman, narrated that, and it was good. I really liked it. Uh, yeah, Gene, yeah. He's still alive, I think. Is that right? Is he, uh, I, yeah. I I think I'd remember if he had passed on to the next Bardo. Um,
1: he's old, but uh, he's still alive, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so tell us about you know your your uh how you got into you spent a lot of time there in peru and where you were and
1: okay
0: <laughs> okay i
1: was in the real rainforest of peru with a tribe called the shipibo indians um and uh, they are uh, they are very interesting tribes to me because they are uh, ayahuasca.
0: Ayahuasca. So
1: they take ayahuasca. Yeah. yeah. And they turned me on to ayahuasca, of course, uh, there in the forest. And uh, uh, I took uh, a lot of ayahuasca with them there. Uh, which uh, moved me a little bit away from uh, Zen Buddhism, as you can imagine.
2: Uh Uh,
1: Although uh, I still am a Buddhist, uh, and uh, uh, I guess still a Zen Buddhist, but uh, I'm not, um, I say, uh, attached to it in the sense that
0: I'm not attached
1: to the form.
0: That's good. Uh, <laughs> I sympathize. Well, that's good. <laughs> For
1: you, maybe there, uh, it's a totally different world, uh, I imagine.
0: Yeah, uh, um, I've done Vipassana retreats here with uh, Myanmar monks, yeah. you know. There's all sorts of yeah. stuff going on here. I like them. Yeah. I like them. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if I can do another one, but I've done another type of retreat here with... Uh, a healer who studied with the great vipassana teacher here, and his retreats nice. are are uh, easier. And uh, okay. I just I just don't I just I don't think I can do another. I mean, they're really hardcore the vipassana retreats here. Uh, How
1: old are you now,
0: David? Seventy-seven. Seventy-seven. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, I go to. I go to Hindu ceremonies. Uh, I love the Hindu yeah. ceremonies because there's no talking hardly. You know, there's a little chanting yeah. of this and that. But there's sort of um like theater and uh uh and they had, I went to one at a place there was like 10,000 um, Thomas said there were 20,000 people and and it was in a remote place where um There are no foreigners. There was just him and me and 20,000 locals. But they're all wonderful people. And there were all these people in trance walking around like it was a zombie movie. And uh, (laughs) really, I mean, it was so far out, man. I loved it. Uh, And I participate in in that stuff. Uh, But, uh, you know, I told a carpenter that works here uh, that I'd just been to something like that. A nice old guy. I love him. Uh, He's Muslim. I said you know, I just do whatever local people do. If I was with you, if it was okay, I'd go to the mosque. Uh, yes. uh, he said, God doesn't care.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's right. And <laughs> actually, uh, that little uh, clip I sent you that you didn't open up because you didn't get the image, but those are cookies. So they're like, it's a theory, it's, uh, School in Muslim
2: uh, world. Hmm. Hmm. Mm.
1: And I like them uh, as well. But, uh, you know,
0: it doesn't mean nothing that I like them. Yeah. But, uh, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, you you know, I remember your your uh, trips to South America, to to Peru, inland like. Um, the way things evolve, the oil companies encroaching on their land, uh, your your uh, favorite... There's uh, no forest left. Oh, yeah?
1: Yeah, there's or hardly any. It's really deforested, and it's because of oil, really. Mm. Uh, you know, because people want to have cheap gasoline, and uh, that's it. They heck
0: everything down. Wow. So, uh, How's, yeah, the How's the tribe? How's wh- the tribe where you, you should... I, I remember uh, you said you weren't going to go back anymore because things were getting too violent, something like that.
1: Yes. Uh, things have, uh, have deteriorated in that sense. And I think it goes together with the deterioration of the forest itself. Yeah, you know, it's like uh, that's what happened. I think.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, very much
0: so. I I remember you saying that the the shaman or your favorite shaman. Uh, you know, he went he went to town. You know, and it was a long trip on boat to get to civilization. Yeah. But you said he got murdered yeah. on the way back.
1: Uh, yeah, he got murdered. Not only him got murdered, but his son got, uh, or his brother got murdered as well. So, uh, mm. not murdered, he, he got dengue fever and he died shortly thereafter. He died within a week or something like that. Oh. Uh, uh, and uh, the shaman himself. He got. I don't know. There's different stories. You know how it goes. When somebody dies like that on a ship and is being thrown overboard and never rises back up uh, out of the water, uh, you realize, like, oh, there's a lot of stories around. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And uh, you never know exactly what happened. Some people say that he fell overboard. Some people say that he, he, he got into a conflict with somebody else on the ship because they realized he had money on him because he had been teaching in the city and uh, and then was on his way back, and then they realized oh he had money. he was the one that had the money because he had been teaching in the city, and somehow they had a conflict of that and argument and and he was thrown on the board uh well, I don't think anybody would really realize what exactly happened, yeah uh, but That was it. Yeah. Uh, He died and no more.
2: Mm.
1: So, anyway. Yeah. But I'm still friends with uh, his family and his larger family and uh, the Shipibo themselves. And uh, right now, I have just uh, too much Shipibo artwork. If you want something, I will send you uh, a beautiful uh, shibibo fabric, and you can hang it somewhere in Indonesia.
0: <laughs> uh, bring it with you when you come here. It's too hard to send things here. Uh, oh, really? Well, well, you can do it, but, yeah, it's, it, it, you know. Maybe i just bring it. Yeah, it'd be better to bring it. It might disappear. Uh, yeah. And... Uh, if, when things are really well I won't go further on that um uh I remember from your film on it how the ayahuasca ceremony they uh they took uh did they cut down a tree for it or did they take a tree that was already down or what
1: well they have the the leaves that are course just harvested and then the trunk of the tree so yeah. there's two things in ayahuasca like there's uh, the yage that is the tree and they cut the bark off of that oh. and then the leaf is the shakuna and that's what giving you the, the, the vision uh, so uh so that's the two things. Uh, it's a it's a combo thing, you know. Yeah. So, so uh, but I haven't done it for a long time. So what am I saying? Yeah.
0: Uh, well, but one other thing is, I remember yeah. it's them taking a long, very large tree trunk and hollowing it out to to cook it, or what? What were they doing? in And. It's in the okay, film. Okay, they
1: were hauling out the tree
0: because they're gonna make a drum out
1: of it, and uh, that's why it's a little bit. I'm a little bit sorry that you couldn't see uh, the the little clip that I sent you because these are people that I had nothing to do with ayahuasca or anything like that. But the tree, uh, the drumming that uh, Shipibo did. Uh, was very similar to uh, the rhythm and the noise that uh, the the people were making in the movie and uh, almost the same music and I thought like oh how can it be uh, but uh, that was uh, that was uh, that was the same music it seemed like uh, even though of course, have nothing
0: to do with each other. All right. Here's another thing I remember. You you were having problems. Uh, You expressed to me about going there because of the political stuff going on. So you started going at least once. You went to uh, uh, the Amazon rainforest down in Brazil uh, to take ayahuasca with some guru that you weren't into his trip, but you yeah. liked it anyway, something like Tell me about that.
1: Okay. Well, uh, one time I went to a different uh, club. Uh, 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 what is it called uh, again? Uh, uh, it's a Brazilian uh, ayahuasca. It's uh, very religious, very Christian religious. Oh, yeah. And uh, so, uh, so they had more of a Christian ceremony going. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but they went into the forest with just a group of guys. And uh, the guys would make the uh, ayahuasca in the forest, whereas the women were harvesting the leaves uh, much more down, uh, closer to uh, the village uh, there. Mm. Um, and uh, so that was also really interesting because uh, even though I'm not a Christian, uh, uh, my mother was very interested in uh, Jesus. uh also not a Christian, but, uh, she felt like, oh, that was his buddy. Her buddy was Jesus.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: she could in the set, understand Jesus as, uh, well as a teacher. And, uh, so she relayed that to me and, uh, that was nice to be in uh, in the Amazonian uh, rainforest on the Brazilian side. Uh, uh, but, uh, um, yeah, she... Uh, uh, that was really interesting, too. Uh, you know, I love... Because of her, I love pieces, too. So uh, I wish you uh, had a... a, a film access because I could show you uh, my uh, little altar here and uh, it has the Christ of course and but also the Buddha and everybody else
0: yeah well you can make a film
1: I can make a little film for you
0: uh, uh, yeah listen <laughs> I'll put your I can put that film uh, what about your uh, your film about uh, the ayahuasca ceremony in Peru and going there, just yeah. going there was a trip. Is that on YouTube? Uh,
1: yes, it is.
0: Yeah, well, it is
1: on YouTube. All right,
0: we can. Uh, we, you know, we can get those links. I'll
1: send it to you. Yeah. Yeah,
0: you know, just send me a link to the YouTube. That's that's good.
1: Yeah, I'll send you a link to the YouTube.
0: And I can download you, YouTube great. videos, <laughs> so if I yeah, wanted, that, I can. That would be great. Yeah, I so I'd have a copy of it too. Um, yes mm, um, that
1: would be great
0: yeah now there was another way back way further than all this I remember the first my first memory about you and South America is when you got into I think you were just into this film about I can almost remember the name uh the, the, about the, the, the guardians of the earth who were way, way up. Uh, that might have been Peru, too, or it might have been Venezuela or Colombia. Way, way up, about as high as people can live. And they had noticed uh, changes in what plants were growing oh, yeah. there. And uh, it was like one of the earliest warnings of, of climate change. That was a long yes. time ago. Uh, yes, exactly. Tell, tell me about that. Remind me, huh?
1: Okay, they, they were the mamas, and uh, now let me get this straight for a second. Let me grab it. Uh, yeah, the mamas, and they, mm, man, I didn't know we were going to talk about the mamas, but yeah, they, they were a very fascinating, uh, fascinating uh, club of uh, people. And, and you, you're right. They were the, the very first people that started warning uh, about uh, climate change.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, do, do you know what year that then. film was made?
1: Mm, let me think. Um, mm, let me think, um, maybe, um, let's see, uh, well, 89 or something like that.
0: Yeah. One thing I remember, but they were very, very high up there and they were noticing yeah. this change in the plants. They felt they were the guardians of the earth. Yes, uh, yes. And they were concerned uh, and they wanted to get the, oh, they were an isolated tribe and they only uh, got in contact because of this concern. They wanted to communicate it to people. And uh, uh, before that, they really uh, discouraged any contact, right?
1: Yes, they discouraged any contact. And after that, they discouraged any contact too. Yeah. That was it.
0: Yeah. Well, one thing they did that I remember, and now you can uh, correct me on the details, is they they um they would put a a child, they would raise a child uh, by by itself like in a cave or something just one to have some special yep. role. What was yep. that? I can't remember.
1: God, I will know all of these things, but I have to visualize it and uh, think about it. Yeah. Uh, Even the name of the tribe and everything.
0: Yeah. Um, Well, what's the name of the film? I bet it's on YouTube.
1: I will think about all of that, and I will send you uh, a little email with all of that information. Right, right. But right this second... I'm I'm uh, I'm not the best person uh to uh remind ourselves.
0: Of. Okay, okay, okay. And you know I can I can uh, make a, a place for you on cuke dot com with these various links in film and blah blah blah. Um and a link that to this podcast. Nice. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um Yeah,
1: that n- would be nice.
0: Now you're you know, you you indicated you're you're somewhat involved in uh, trying to stop <laughs> Los Alamos
2: from Los Alamos, being involved yeah.
0: in nuclear weapons. That goes way back. You've been involved yes, with that a long time. Yes, that goes
1: time. way back, and it keeps going and going and going. And you think like you'd be over it, and and you realize you're not. And and actually, my buddy. Greg Mello, also uh, a Buddhist uh, practitioner, mm-hmm. just like me. So uh, we have uh, that in common and that language in common uh, together. And uh, and I guess we're the only ones <laughs> that are still really <laughs> protesting uh, against... Uh, uh, the nuclear weapons uh, endeavor, um, and that is still going on. You yeah. know, they want to make between sixty and no, between yeah, sixty and and eighty new nuclear uh, bombs or nuclear pits, as they call them, uh, every year uh, from now on. And they're trying to do it in Los Alamos because uh, that's a way to get money, keep getting money to Los Alamos. And, uh, you know, because uh, this place, northern New Mexico, is so poor that everybody uh, uh, lets them do it because that's the main industry in northern New Mexico, is making nuclear weapons, and mm. that's how the money comes here to this state. Uh, like uh, they want to do it between uh, like a sixty and ninety, or say sixty and eighty, um, every year. Every year, can you imagine? Uh, and uh, and nobody in New Mexico is protesting this. Or saying no, uh, except for, for my buddy Greg Mallow, who is the most informed person on uh, on nuclear weapons uh, in this state and probably uh, in this whole country. Um, and uh, and I'm just a helpless helper uh, uh, next to him. Uh, he is the one that you know. Uh, goes really deep into it, and uh, and and you know, and every time uh, or every year, he he keeps going because they keep going, and he's really serious about this and uh, seriously committed. Um, I'm committed to him really more than anything else because, uh, you know, I'm not so good at learning. Well, I've tried to learn what Greg gives me, but Greg Greg is so much more learned than I will ever be about this. Mm -hmm. So I just can support Greg as as much as I can. Uh, But uh, he is really the main force, uh, against Lenel. And I'm only like, uh, um, well, his help. Hmm.
0: <laughs> mm. Um,
1: so, uh, so, uh, yeah, so, and it's really sad that it just, you know, it's sad that this country or this this province uh, new New Mexico is so poor that they let Los Alamos do whatever. Why? because that's how they can make money and it's the biggest industry in northern New Mexico is the weapon industry so uh, so it's really sad. You know that under uh, under the airport in uh, Albuquerque, yeah. There's 2,000 nuclear weapons stored there. So every single time you take a plane there uh, or from there, you have to stand still for a second and think like, okay, here is where it is. 2,000 bombs underneath my feet.
2: Um. Um,
1: So that is really hard to deal with and to keep dealing with. Mm. You know, because it's such a drag, you know, it's such a, uh, there's so much to do, so much more to do in life than uh, than nuclear weapons, but yet nuclear weapons are imperative, and so uh, you have to say no, and you have to realize, like, okay, if you say no to this, you have to work for that. Yeah, um, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, you know, I was involved with the nuclear freeze around 1980.
1: Yeah, it, I know. I remember.
0: 81, 82. You know, freeze, and I, please.
1: I, that was your song.
0: Yeah, freeze, please, and then World Suicide uh, uh, about yeah, the. I don't
1: know that song.
0: Oh, World Suicide got a lot more attention than Freeze Please. Uh, really? Oh freeze, yeah. Freeze
1: Please was so good.
0: <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna uh, publish those on the internet with some other. I wrote about fifty anti-nuclear songs back then, trying to come up with different ones. And and world well, suicide was really the one that got people's attention. But back then there were there was uh uh you know the Physicians for Social Responsibility the, the yeah. nuclear which was really the ones that started the nuclear freeze. Um, and Harold Willens yeah. with his businessmen against the war, and uh, he really was the money behind it. And uh, uh, I was offered to be head of the Northern California part, and uh, I yeah. said, "I said you don't want me in an office, you don't want me doing that. Just let me do ad hoc stuff." It's hard stuff. <laughs> to be
2: there in
1: an office. It's hard to do this stuff.
0: No, no, but I—that's not. I'm not an administrator. That's no good. Uh, but yeah. anyway, uh, people were, there was a, a very high level of awareness of the threat of nuclear war then. And then yeah. uh, Reagan, I remember when Reagan and Gorbachev made some very serious cuts in nuclear weapons. Yeah. Uh, people felt, okay, that's been taken care of. And it's really <laughs> it's been off the radar ever since. Yeah, uh, And uh, William Perry who was uh, Secretary of Defense under, mm, I don't remember. Uh, uh, um, um, anyway, a while back, he wrote a book called My Journey at the Nuclear Brink, uh, which really showed that it's that the likelihood of accidental nuclear war or maybe nuclear war on purpose. And that the big threat is between U.S. and Russia because that would pretty much destroy life uh, on yeah. Earth. Uh,
1: and now it's worse than we've ever seen. Yeah,
0: yeah. and uh, uh,
1: Like uh, Pope Francis said, uh, World War Three has been declared. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's the Pope saying that.
0: Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's one thing the Popes have been very good about. And the Mormon Church, too. The yeah. Mormon Church was the first large church in America to come out for the elimination of nuclear weapons. Um, okay. Yeah. And uh, Jerry Brown is is highly aware of all this. Uh, you yeah. Know, uh,
1: you know, uh, one time Richard Baker came here to visit me. Um uh, and uh, it actually became kind of a um, kind of a nuclear meeting with uh, Richard Baker too. And Richard Baker suggests that we get in touch with, uh, or he would get in touch with Jerry Brown and bring up the the points. Uh, yeah, they 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 were close at that time too.
0: Jerry Brown wrote uh, a review of Perry's book, My Journey at the Nuclear Brink, for mm, New York Review of Books, maybe. Uh, Uh And uh, when Brown retired, Brown was, uh, when his second eight-year term as governor, or double terms as governor, the second one was over he said he wanted to just concentrate on climate change and the threat of nuclear war, and those are the two big ones. Really, everything else yes. is is uh, is trivial compared to those. Those are
1: compared to those. Yeah, those are really big things.
0: No, yeah, those are going to end uh, everything. E- everything.
1: Yeah. human human culture.
0: I don't see. Any slowing down, uh, the the nuclear war thing is like um, it's like dice. You don't know what's going to happen. But the climate change thing is uh, it's uh, you know moving ahead at a nice clip that keeps getting faster. And um, people yeah. don't seem to be able to. I mean, the human race doesn't seem to be able to realize uh, what we're doing. And uh, yeah, people feel helpless. The people, you know, I ask people here all the time, I've interviewed tons of people here in Bali, and they really feel that there's no point in them thinking about climate change because there's nothing because they can they can't do, do about,
2: anything it. about it.
0: So, yeah. yeah, uh, but uh, you know, Chomsky has pointed out that. Real social change, big changes come about from uh, from uh, popular protests and mass appeal Movement. and support and movements. Uh, so yeah. anyway, we'll see. Uh, all right, so… Uh,
1: and of course, uh, the Ukraine war doesn't help anything in terms of disarmament of nuclear weapons. It's like uh, it's like uh, uh, advertisement for making more nuclear weapons, yeah. and that's how lo- a place like Los Alamos takes it. Mm.
2: You know,
1: they want to make more, and everybody says, "Well, how much more did you want?" Oh, between sixty and eighty. Okay, how much is it gonna cost? Okay, so uh, so. Uh, 2026, 20, we're going to have that going. Uh, not that it's going to go because we're going to just keep protesting and uh, keep publishing the insanity uh, of it, but yeah. uh, that's how they think.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now, when, when did you move to Santa Fe?
1: I moved there at the end of uh, uh at the, remember uh, the whole thing uh, came falling apart when, what was the year?
0: 83. The, you mean at the San Francisco yeah. Zen Center?
1: Yeah, the Zen Center. Yeah.
2: Uh,
1: so, eighty three. Uh, so uh, at the end of 83, I moved to Santa Fe. Mm-hmm. And it was really because Richard Baker asked me.
0: And why did he ask you?
1: He asked me to go here because I just wanted to go. And I told him, I said, I just want to go. I thought maybe I was going to stay in California or someplace. I didn't know exactly what to do yet. And then he said, "Uh, why did you go to Santa Fe? And uh, because I think he knew he was going to go there uh, at some point. Uh, and uh, that gave me sort of a goal, like, oh, I should go to Santa Fe, Uh, and, uh, and so I was actually the first
0: one here. Oh, oh, yeah, wow, far out.
1: But I was already here, and then when he came here, you know, uh, I had said to him, uh, I had said to him before, like, I was not interested in uh, uh, a Zen center or uh, uh, same kind of uh, uh, structure of uh, like the teacher and then having all the students and whatnot. I was not really interested in uh, in that. I, I was interested in in keeping Buddhism going or keeping that going, but I was not interested in uh, having Richard Baker play the Roshi and, and all of that. I was not really interested in that. So,
0: But you still went there when he suggested it. You had a relationship with him.
1: I had a relationship with Richard Baker. Yeah. And uh, so uh, I, I uh, wanted to help him as much as I could, even in the, in the, the Sahara, I wanted to, because I thought he was going to kill himself. You know, nobody saw that, uh, but I saw him being totally pale and uh, gray and, and out of it. Uh, and uh, so I felt really worried about uh, Richard Baker and uh, worried about the Zen Center, and worried about the Sahara where I was at that time. Uh, um, and so uh, uh, I said to him, uh, well, I'm going to go. I'm gonna leave here. I'm not gonna stay in uh, Tassahara uh, because I felt really also in Tassahara. I don't know if you were there, free there. Yeah. No, you weren't there. You weren't living in Tassahara. You would come with the club uh, uh, when uh, Richard Baker would come and and other people would come.
0: Yeah, I lived there earlier. I lived there seven years, but it was earlier. Yeah,
1: you lived there before yeah but not not at a,
0: yeah I, yeah I moved there shortly after we bought it,
1: yes, you were much earlier you were there, yeah yeah i remember uh, i remember i remember you coming and uh and uh, even teaching some uh,
0: no uh, no
1: not lecturing and but not, but personally, oh, for me, it was nice And see you as a as an example that maybe tended that was good for some
0: oh, well, you mean I'm just b s <laughs> <BS> with you,
1: <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: maybe like ah, uh, yeah, yeah, um. So you went to Santa Fe, and this is uh, interesting. Actually, the people that went with him to Santa Fe pretty much had a uh, were not like sycophantic uh, devotees. They were pretty strong people. Isan. and
1: Philip Whalen was there, and uh, and Isam came, and and uh, who else? Uh, what is the guy's name that up? some monastery or some, some uh, practice place in uh, Northern California. I think he wanted to get transmission. Uh, um, I don't
0: know if he ever got it. But, uh, no, there's nobody I can think uh, of.
1: Dan, uh, Welch for
0: Dan Welch was there, uh, but he wasn't there because of Richard. He, yeah he and Deborah were there and Dan uh and Richard were not on speaking terms then he was very angry at Richard uh until yeah. you know what what changed it it uh, he started softening up after a number of years and then he went with me in oh God when was this like 95 to uh yeah spend a few days with Richard just doing interviews. Yeah. And we stayed up all night. He, uh, Dan and I did, and Richard would stay with us a lot. We'd had like three days uh, just communicating. And after that, wow. Dan went, well, yeah, he's stopped, you know, he changed. And then he went on to become uh, – he was – involved in uh, Crestone Mountain Zen Center. He, he became the, a teacher there, and he made, was made the abbot. But then he had a falling out again, and now he's back in uh, Santa Fe. Uh, yeah, he,
1: I see him every—well, I saw him two times, but I realized, like, okay, there's something that I don't know about. Yeah, I saw him a few times in— uh, because I really liked Dan Wells, and I always wondered what happened the second time uh, they had a falling out or something like that.
0: Oh, I can tell you and, about that, but I don't want to talk about it here.
1: No, don't. Uh, you don't have to tell me, that I always thought it was really a felt story for Dan that uh, somehow uh, they didn't get it together, because Dan wasn't worth in my book, was a very worthy person.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, and everybody feels that way about him. Uh, yeah. Um, he's just not a cynical person, uh, you know. Uh, uh, when things happen that upset people, I went, yeah, you know, people do stuff like that, and I usually know about it anyway. Uh, but some people would be extremely upset. Uh, making too yeah. much out of a teacher, man, it just gets you in trouble. Uh, yeah, I get you in
1: trouble.
0: People take responsibility for themselves. And they should remember, I used to say, the rule of Zen Center is, what Zen Center giveth, Zen Center taketh away. And that's true <laughs> That's true with Richard Baker, and it's true for yeah. him. Uh Nobody owns anything in that world. It's sort of like the corporate world. Uh, uh, You know, when uh, Sim Vanderin founded the Fairlons Institute, I don't know if you remember him or Fairlons, in uh, you know north north of San Francisco, and uh, you Um, know it was a uh, alternative energy. He was he was uh, uh, he's an architect. Uh, like a sort of oh, yeah. uh, appropriate community, appropriate technology community, but very back-to-the-earth, sort of uh, whole-earth-catalog-y. Anyway.
1: What was Sim, his name again? Sim
0: Vandrin. Anyway. Sim
1: yeah. Right, yeah, he founded he, he that. He has a Dutch background.
0: Right? He, he has what?
1: He has also a Dutch background.
0: Oh. oh Sim uh, Yeah, maybe so. No, he's yeah, he's Dutch. I don't know if he was Yeah, he is
1: Dutch.
0: I don't know if he was born there. Uh mm, I don't know. I
1: don't he, remember. He has but,
0: probably not born there, but he has Dutch ancestry. He's van der Rin from the Rhine. Uh
1: Yeah.
0: Right? And uh but yeah. he was finally overthrown as the head of the Pharaohs and uh, uh a guy That's on a the one? board David Katz who uh, Uh said, you know, it happens, and he got founder's disease. (laughs) And that's what happens. People who found things, they they own them, they feel entitled, they get founder's disease, and if they start a strong community, which Dick did, the community at some point says, you know, rebels. Enough of you. Uh, And... um, uh, it just happens predictably, almost,
1: you know. You know, but uh, Dave, you know who I really got close this year? Who? Koben Chino Otagawa.
0: Oh yeah, T- tell us about him.
1: <laughs> okay, uh, you know, I have met him one time in uh, California as well, and he claimed that he wrote my uh, uh
0: Yeah.
1: He wrote my name down and now he claims that that is actually the main name that was given to me. Falkwith. Um anyway, uh he he was here and a few months after uh, I came here, I came here I think in December or something like that. Um uh, he came here, too. He came to uh, uh, Taos. Oh, yeah. He established a, uh, a little uh, Zendo there.
0: It's still going. Uh, what? It's still, it's still going. going Yeah. up in the Royal yeah. Seco. Uh, do you remember what it's
1: called?
0: He uh, called Oh, maybe so. It was uh, Bob Wat- Bob Wat- Bob uh, uh, Watkins' yeah. home.
1: Uh, yeah, that's right.
0: Yeah, and um, yeah, there's a whole history there. <laughs> yeah, I visited yeah, many so times I there.
1: Sitting, uh, with, uh, Coleman, yeah, and uh, we got to be good friends, and then one time he. Uh, uh, we did a session or something like that. And he, uh, he pointed at my Raksu. He said, can I look at your Raksu, Raksu? And uh, I gave him my Raksu. And he
2: said,
1: hmm. And then he looked at me and he said, I gave you that name.
2: Huh.
1: Huh. Huh. So it was his handwriting, undoubtedly. Yeah. Uh, uh, but then uh, after that, uh, you know, we became real good friends. Uh, and so I visited uh, Coburn, and we ate here and there. And he would make food as well. And then, uh, one time, uh, he came with me to the Netherlands. Oh, is that right? Huh. To see my mother, who was sick at that time. And, uh, Bowen thought, like, okay, uh, he could, uh, he could cook her, uh, some, uh, miso soups that, uh, would heal her. Uh-huh. And, uh uh uh-huh. And so, uh, we spent time there and we spent time in Amsterdam together, uh, while uh, COVID was here, Hmm. which was really, really nice. And so we became really good friends.
0: Did you smoke any pot in Amsterdam?
1: Yes. And I, you know, I did smoke pot Amsterdam and, uh, uh, but, uh, I don't remember uh, smoking pot with Corbin uh, there. Oh, uh, oh uh-huh. Uh, uh, but he did take uh, some uh, Ayahuasca together with
0: me. No kidding. Oh, he
1: take mushrooms together with
0: me. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh,
1: uh-huh,
0: yeah. But oh.
1: that was already in California.
0: Oh, well, you gave me a giant bag of mushrooms when Kelly and I were there, when Kelly oh, was... Oh,
2: really?
0: Yeah. Right. When Kelly and I were leaving to go to Texas, we had just moved out Elon drove our stuff to California. We'd been there a year, which is what we planned to do. And I had um, our, our Toyota station wagon, and I drove it with Clay, who was... Two and a half, and Uh uh, and Kelly, and you gave me this giant bag of mushrooms, and you told me Kelly and I should take all of it. Uh, I I stopped doing uh, psychedelics in sixty seven, so I've stuck with that. But you know, when I was driving, I took this was a big bag, and you told us to take the whole thing. It was (laughs) it was like a grocery bag, and and uh, I took one little piece of mushroom. So many. Well, I was driving from, and we did a number of things, visiting people in Taos, Santa Fe, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. in uh, the Shries you know, the Shri's, Uh mm-hmm. Josh Shry and his parents in uh, Santa Fe. And Josh was more like Kelly's age. We stopped there, and he was having a party for all his young friends, and they were doing mohawks and dyeing hair purple and stuff, so we got our heads shaved. <laughs> anyway, mm-hmm. so driving from uh, that night from Santa Fe to Fort Worth the next morning, 12 hours, I took one little tiny piece of that mushroom and chewed on it for fun just to see what it would taste like. And that got me Very awesome. hot. Well, not too hot to drive, but it really changed the trip. And you said, see, you were into the Terrence McKenna trip. You said that the mushrooms that McKinnis' trip was there, they're an extraterrestrial uh, life form that have come to Earth. Okay. And when you eat okay. the magic mushroom, it's uh, you're communicating with the spirit or whatever of the extraterrestrials. And it's uh, they're they're what they're communicating is love. So I needed to concentrate and enjoy the ride back. And so I just went, I don't know love is all or something like that the entire time because uh, it lasted <laughs> a long time. And, uh, then I told Elon about it when she got to Fort Worth and she said, you drove your two sons, our baby from Santa Fe to Fort Worth on mushrooms. Uh, on mushrooms. I said, we're well, just a tiny, tiny little bite. Uh, yeah. But you said you got high. we well, just a little bit high, a little bit high. doesn't really hurt your driving. Uh but uh, anyway, I remember that because we visited you before we left. <laughs>
1: and Terrence McKenna said, Oh, you should, give, you should take the heroic dose. That was his uh, his work. And uh, he really encouraged people to take so many that you would get really high. That's why I probably gave you a lot.
0: Yeah, well, Kelly took the whole thing later, you know. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, yeah, Kelly, like you and some other people I know, has been into what I would call uh, a, uh, uh, a sort of a sober psychedelic trip. In other words, not just taking it to get high all the time or anything, but having particular times where you took, took it for, you know, meditation and, uh, it seems to have a good effect there, uh, yeah, and, and and research yeah, actually shows that too that yeah, people who've had yeah. psychedelics tend to have better integrated brains, and tend to be happier. Oh,
2: really?
0: Tend to be happier. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it can be very helpful. Uh, I don't really. It's not part of my my uh, practice anymore, but. Uh, I, I certainly no, know a lot of serious well. practitioners that have uh, taken psychedelics and ecstasy in modern times.
1: Yes.
0: Yeah, and yeah, to I'm me, the hard war hard. on on entheogens, you know, the more newer term yeah. for it, the, it's, it so immoral and so terrible, and, oh. and really, it's religious uh, persecution. Definitely. Uh, and I'm certainly not the first person to say that. So, uh, all right. So you went to Santa Fe. <laughs> Pardon me. I'm taking a little off. Subject. Yeah. So, so, no. When you were talking about Coben, what else do you have to say about Coben?
1: Uh, Coburn, Okay. So he became my friend, and uh, and of course when when he died, he was the that uh, said they uh, uh, for all of us, but uh, but Colman got to be a really good friend, and uh, I can see him uh, making the miso soup for my mother in also in the Netherlands, uh, where we were. Uh, and so, we also went to uh, Amsterdam uh, at that time. Uh, he loved to make uh, There was people, that I forget exactly how we did it, but they made like pages with painting on it uh, or paint on it uh, that you had to soak in water and you had to fold the the pages on top of the water and and then when you took it out, uh, that would be a a really... uh, Crazy image uh, going back up, and Colwyn just loved that, and uh, we, we spent time there together doing that. Uh, and then of course he lived here in Santa in uh, uh, in Taos. Uh, he made a made a beautiful little condo uh, there, and so I would go there. Uh, he would be. Uh, He was really a Taoist more than uh, a Zen guy, in a way. Uh, 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 He liked to go by himself into the forest, Yeah, only a little ways away in the forest, but he built a hut there in the forest, and that's where he preferred to be. And uh, if you were were thinking about yourself as his... uh, Colvin liked to make a hut in the forest.
2: Yeah.
1: In South. And if you wanted to be a student of Coban, you better find the hut and find Coban there making tea uh, or a teeny tiny little fire because that's where you would be.
0: Yeah, yeah. I walked around there with him. And, you know, there was this house he was building. And all he had was yes. the, the uh, foundation, the cement uh, foundation. Uh, I don't for
1: the know longest
0: if, time. It was right there in the Royal Seco, you know, walking distance from the Zendo. Uh, yeah. I, I think it never got beyond the foundation. Uh, he never tried to raise money or anything. I mean, he lived with Steve Jobs a long time. He uh, was like Steve Jobs' teacher, but... And Bob Watkins called Steve Jobs once and asked for some support for Coben because Bob Watkins was uh, a major support of Coben, and so was Vanya Palmer's, of course. But Bob was uh, as, asking uh, asked Steve Jobs if he could help out, and then Jobs said, "No, he won't support Coben COVID unless Coben's living with him." <laughs>
1: Uh. Well, that's such a sad story. Uh, yeah. Uh, one time I forget what it was. Or, or the, you, you, we were gonna go to Steve Jobs you know, to fly, or what was happening? Was it? I forget exactly. I I'm gonna think about it now. And uh, I'm going to write a few notes, and then I'll send you an email. Uh,
2: yeah, okay. All the
1: things that I don't think about. But Steve Jobs was a, was a deal in uh, Colvin's life.
0: He was a what? In Colvin's life? He was
1: a deal in Colvin's life. He was a, uh, an entity.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and I think Steve Jobs was very, uh, uh, well, I don't know about greedy, but uh, he was very particular about, uh, like, oh, yeah, he was going to support Hoban uh, uh whatever. Uh, uh, that sounds like Steve Jobs. But did Steve Jobs ever, uh, ever come to the Zen Center or anything like that? Well, he
0: sat. No, he was a serious student at Los Altos Sendo. He sat there. Oh, Los Altos. Uh, that's before he got wealthy. Uh, yeah. And, um, uh, you know, people who sat there remember him. And, uh, you know, his, his uh, the biography on him said he went to retreats at Tassara. That isn't true. He did. Um, I've interviewed um, his friend he traveled to India with who is like his best friend I got a nice long interview with him and uh, Kotki or something and uh, uh, yeah I gotta do something about that Uh, and uh, that guy said I'm not sure about his name uh, here wait a minute I'll just write very easy who went to India with Steve Jobs. Daniel Kotke, I think it is. Yep, I got it. Daniel Kotke. Anyway, uh, Kotke told me that he and Steve Jobs would go to Tassara once a year, uh, like a pilgrimage. But it wasn't to practice Zen. It was to go to the baths. and bet they felt oh, that Zen, they were getting Zen osmosis. It was to go to the baths and buy a bunch of bread. And he said they did that every year, and you know something happened. Kaki never understood it. At some point, Jobs cut him off, and also he was involved in creating Apple. Uh, and for some reason, yeah. Jobs said don't don't give him any money, you know. And they were saying this person can have so many chairs, and and nobody really understood why. And and later the company. Uh, Rewarded him for his earlier efforts, but uh, he wasn't mad about it or anything. He was very nice about it. Uh, jobs was eccentric. Uh, Coburn talked about Jobs in a uh, a retreat in Austria at the place that he he and Vanya founded in Austria. I mean the main place is yeah. in uh, above Lake Luzern, Felsentor. But but. Uh, and that that was recorded, and that um, I have that audio. Uh, actually, it's video. I think uh, I'm not yeah. sure. Maybe it's just audio, and I have pictures. And uh, he talked about jobs there. But you know what? I, I've 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 written this all up quite. I mean, I've got all the notes and everything. I, I haven't made it into anything beyond that, but. Coban's memory was so bad, man. He got things all mixed up. I mean, when he's talking about it, he's talking about Lucy, right, the computer, and how uh-huh. Jobs said, uh, this is the proof of his enlightenment. But Lucy was after that time when Jobs came to him with some, uh, and, and you know, I can't remember all the details. But uh, Coben yeah. said, well, he wasn't a good Zen student <laughs> because he was serious. He was serious about Zen. You know, many people are serious about practice in Buddhism who yeah. don't like to sit a, a lot. He said, yeah. you know, he said uh, Jobs really didn't like sitting more than one period. Yeah, that's, uh, and he said he couldn't really sit. It was hard for him to sit an hour. But um, anyway... Uh, they had quite an interesting relationship. There's a, a graphic uh, book out on it that Forbes magazine put out, and that I think an intern for Forbes put together. And it is the worst. It it's the worst. They, they, they he couldn't have done something worse. That was less yeah. representative of Coben, and he had he had factual stuff off. Uh, he had Suzuki meeting jobs, which never happened. And Suzuki, you know, you know being like this uptight, it, it didn't even didn't even bother to, to draw some. It looked like Suzuki sort of dissing Jobs for being a hippie. And so they were trying to paint Kobun as the 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 rebel and Suzuki as the uptight old fashioned in person. And anyway, the whole thing you know. was so awful. Uh, I've thought of yeah. getting old of Forbes and saying, "Hey, I could give you an accurate story of all of that uh, yeah. if you want to make up for the horrible thing you published." Uh, but it'd be some work. I, I, it's, it's, it's on my list of things to get to, though. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, all right, so now. How soon after you moved to Santa Fe did you start baking bread?
1: Clawcliffe, no. I started it already. uh, I started it in December, same year.
0: Same year. Well, what Uh, month did you come there? (laughs) 83. Yeah, what month did you go there?
1: Uh, Not a lot earlier, but over the summer, I think.
0: Oh, okay. So you got there in this summer. In December, you started Cloud Clip. Uh, Where where did you start baking? What does your baking experience go back to?
1: Well, that was in the Zen Center. Where? I I worked at the bakery there.
0: Oh, you worked at the Tassara Bakery. Yeah, I
1: worked at the Tassara Bakery. Uh, So, yeah, that's I worked there. I was going to say something to you, but I forgot. Forget it. I'm going to make no When you talk, and
0: uh-huh.
1: think about what I need to say to you.
0: But um, yeah, that was
1: in uh, December, and then it was really tiny, tiny, and then they Yeah, I
0: remember it
1: on on it- the rail yard.
0: Yeah, it was small. It was a small thing.
1: Yeah, a small thing. But uh, then, uh, uh, you know, I had a lot of people there that uh, wanted to bake something with so uh, devastated. Um, yeah. And then, uh, I forget why, when exactly, but uh, yeah. I got uh, noticed that... Uh, that they wanted to do something with the rail yard and uh, that my building was slated to get torn down yeah it was and uh then uh, i was uh, with a newspaper in my hand that had you know the the uh, demise of parts uh, and everything on the rail yard uh written in there. I walked around. I, I was living on J Street here uh, close, to, close to where I'm now, and uh, uh, and I was with the newspaper, and I, I came around the corner here, and I saw this big sign that said, oh, uh, you know, 7,400 square feet for rent or for sale. And uh, Wayne Nichols uh, said. And so Wayne Nichols had to relationship, uh, uh, I think, with Mrs. Uh, center or something like that. Because uh, he knew about it. He's, he's not bad, but I think he kicked out. So then I moved to Second Street for him now. And, uh, Wait a minute! I, Wait
0: a minute! Then you moved to Second yes. Street. You were years and years over there, Cloud Cliff.
1: Yes, I was. I mean, you were decades or, there. Yeah, years.
0: It, you and it was a great restaurant. It wasn't yes, just a bakery. No. It was. It was a. It was one of the best places in Santa Fe. Uh, yeah, it was
1: a fun place.
0: We used to go there. We also used to go sit Zazen with you there, Elin and me. Yes, In I that- know.
1: I kept sitting south, and uh, my whole life I still do. Although okay, now, uh, I think you know, I like to read about uh, all the people, including you, I think, saying something about the posture of south and how perfect it is, uh, and it is, uh, no doubt. Uh, but um, uh, I sat and I sat and I sat, and I destroyed my right knee.
0: Yeah, a lot of people did.
1: Okay, well, that's good to hear, because uh, I didn't know a lot of people did, but I did. And, uh, and so now I have to sit on a chair.
0: Yeah, I noticed early on at Zen Center people getting knee operations. So I was always, really? have always been careful. But yeah, uh, I'm sitting with my legs crossed right now. I don't know, maybe I'm lucky. I uh, Nice. I mainly you're sit with my legs lucky. crossed. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, you know, I just put a, a thing up yesterday on... Uh, yeah on cuke What's New blog. Yes, uh, that's
1: what I was reading.
0: About sitting in a chair just oh. just yesterday. Somebody Yeah, wrote,
1: that was not supposed to be
2: here.
0: Somebody wrote me. Uh, here, let me see. Uh, so I put it up instead of a, a, a Suzuki lecture excerpt. Uh, Zazen posture. Yeah. I got the following question. I was wondering, did Suzuki Roshi ever allow anyone to sit Zazen <laughs> in chairs? And so yeah. I'm going to read my, what I wrote. It's not real long. Yes. It was rare back then. He said that it, if all one can do is lie down, then that's the best yeah. posture for Zazen. He, yeah. His close disciple, Trudy Dixon, had to lie down in the Tatsuhara Zendo to do Zazen. He had her lie down next to him in the raised yeah. area. When Peter Schneider was head monk, he hurt his knee, and he had to sit on the raised area with a leg hanging down. In the city, there yeah. were occasional people who had to use chairs. In the new book on vignettes about Suzuki Zinez right now, we have... Once Suzuki was asked, what's the difference between sitting Zazen on the floor and in a chair? He said, the only difference is the legs. Uh, And then I said, writing (laughs) that from memory, not exact quote, um, I have no trouble sitting lotus, I say. I was sitting with my legs up, and sometimes I do zazen in a chair or couch, sitting with legs down or one leg down. I'd say to be skeptical of any teaching that says you can't practice if there's some limitation that goes against the norm. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that's what I have to say to you. Yeah, sit in a chair, sit however you can. Uh,
1: yes, uh, but I destroyed my knee a little bit.
0: Oh, sorry about that. Uh,
1: maybe ten years ago, here in Santa Fe. Oh. And uh, I have trouble, little trouble walking, and oh. uh, but it really damaged me.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. i You know, you can get that fixed.
1: You yeah, maybe. Uh, because, uh, in my, well, well, uh, I, I will look at it again and, uh, see if somebody can fix it. But, uh, I think my cartilage and, uh, my muscle work, uh, on that knee, uh, TV, uh, damage.
0: Yeah, well, they give you, they they can put, um, They can put a new knee in there.
1: Uh, (laughs) Ah. Yes, that is true.
0: I have a friend that just got two new knees and two new shoulders. You do? I have a friend.
1: Oh, okay.
0: uh, And he was a body worker who was always into healthy eating and exercise. It was just, you know, what he was born with, uh, I guess, yeah. So, hey, Willem, I want to go back now. Yeah. When uh, when, when did you come from uh, Holland to, uh, can I I say Holland? The Netherlands.
1: Yes. Uh, Uh, So I was uh, 20, uh, 20, I think maybe I was 20 years old. Let me think um yeah maybe yes I, I think I was maybe 21 years old yeah uh, yeah 21 years old I would say um and I came straight to present
0: is that right
1: why because I- I I had a uh, I had actually uh, the idea that I wanted to practice data and I wanted to actually I know now now it occurs um, At the time I was studying sociology and uh, the newest thing there in sociology was total institutions, and total institutions were like, for instance, a prison or a hospital or something like that, where all of the regular things that uh, that you do, like making food and things like that, uh, or buying food or anything like that, uh, the total institution Would take care of all of those needs, and you would just have to do the what the total institution would uh, assign you to do. (laughs) Mm. And I was interested in uh, Zen Buddhism at that time, and I thought like, oh, I should go to a monastery. That is uh, a total institution. time
0: what year was that
1: well what year was that when i was 20 uh, maybe 20 21 years old so uh, that must have been uh so 55 plus
0: uh 21 is made 76 76,
1: 70, maybe a little bit later. Seventy seven, maybe.
0: Yeah.
1: I forget when what year, but it was somewhere there. Yeah, yeah.
0: that's, that's uh, good.
1: So uh, so I wrote a letter to Richard Baker and saying uh, like I was interested in uh, uh, practicing Buddhism uh, at uh, at the Zen Center. Uh, why you know my my secret agenda was uh, oh I should really study and say something about total institutions since that is a new concept in uh, sociology uh, and uh, and I thought like okay maybe there's something there that I can learn. Uh, and I was already very interested in Buddhism uh, uh, and practical Buddhism, uh, practicing sitting,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Zazen. And I uh, thought like, oh, maybe Richard Baker or maybe the Zen Center would be able to teach me something because here I am. I'm doing this all by myself. And I don't know anything about it, and I don't know anything about uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, the teaching around the sitting yeah. and sitting in with these groups of people was all new for me, even though I had sat, I had sat by myself already for a year. Uh, for how long? Before, I, I would say, uh, you know, my first interest in Zen uh, Buddhism came when I was maybe, um, let's say, maybe 16 years old, uh-huh. uh, because I was uh, very, uh, I was early uh early on because uh, I had a, uh, a girlfriend Suzanne Boxma, uh when I was only six years old and uh, she uh, her father was uh, a very big director of art in the Netherlands and he was their director of The Kroller Muller Museum is one of the big museums in the Netherlands. You have the Rijksmuseum in Amsterdam with all the Rembrandts, and then you have the Kroller Muller Museum, uh, which has all the same clothes. And so the father of Nizam was a very uh, interesting guy. To me, was very interesting, even though... He was very, uh, he didn't have too many words. But, uh, he introduced me to uh, Zen Buddhism uh, or Buddhism in general. And uh, I thought, like, oh, that is an interesting uh, practice. Uh, uh, so I did that. Uh, because of him, really. Uh, that I got interested in Uh, Mm. and uh, so his name was Root Oxenard, Mm. O-X-E-N-A-A-R, Root Oxenard. Oxenard. Anyway, uh, so so he turned me on and I thought like uh, I was studying, like I said, sociology in the Netherlands in uh, mm. but mainly sociology and I thought like oh it would be interesting to uh, do a study of total institution and there's a, a new center that was not new but it was fairly new, uh, to make uh, a Zen center or serious uh, monastic effort in uh, in uh, the United States of America. And the Netherlands was not really, at that time, the Netherlands was not that interested in Buddhism or uh, monasteries. Wasn't that interested in that, other than the total institutions uh, at the sociology studies that I was and so uh, so then I wrote a new letter and uh, uh, to richard Baker uh, and I thought like i was my plan was really to go to California and not just see the Zen center but say so see other centers that were uh struggling up uh, at that time uh were other monasteries too uh, that were you know just just started um yeah. um anyway i wrote a little letter to uh i don't have the letter anymore, but, uh, to richard baker and richard baker uh, wrote me a letter back uh, which was really nice i was so very blessed uh, to get a letter back from Richard Baker saying like that I was welcome to come uh, to uh, the Zen Center, yeah. and uh, so uh, so I came there and I was I don't know if you remember but the first day I came to the Zen Center I actually uh, sat on a cushion and uh, painted. It was probably just from the airplane right and whatnot, but uh, huh. I,
2: I'm sure it was
1: uh, like, uh, like uh, an event that happened at the Zen that they, they took note of. Like, oh, Willem Malkin came to the center on the first day. He saved it. Huh. Uh, 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 I was... It was actually in a little hallway going.
0: In the guide town, yeah, leading to the yeah, symptom. Yeah.
1: That's where I fainted.
0: Huh. Were you sitting when you fainted or were you standing?
1: Yes. Yes, no, I was, I was sitting in a... Uh, uh, anyway, um, it was a big deal for me and I felt really bad about myself. But uh, Richard uh, Baker had encouraged me enough to trust the situation. And then uh, I I attended some lectures uh, with uh, Baker, and I thought, like, ah, I'm not going to travel through all the other places. Uh, I uh, saw some lectures there of uh, Richard Baker, uh, uh, upstairs, and uh, I thought, like, oh, that's really cool. Uh, I sh- I don't have to travel around. I'm gonna just stay here and uh, be with Richard, and uh, and Richard, of course, he encouraged me to do that. I really appreciated him, uh, 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 you know, being so open. Uh, with me towards me it was nice. Yeah, it was uh, really cool. Uh, but um, uh, so then I just stayed there. I went back to the Netherlands. I finished my study, uh, and then I thought as soon as I finished the study, I go back to the center, which is what I did after a year uh, in the Netherlands or maybe a little bit less than a year in the Netherlands, uh, I went back to Zen Center and
2: uh, Mm. and
1: pretty much stayed there Mm. uh, with encouragement of Richard Baker.
0: Mm. Well, that's great. That's great.
1: Yeah. And then, so, so, of the Zen Center, you know, Richard Baker, how he was, he was a lot out and, uh, so it was hard to really get to know him, uh, but I got to know Isan Dorsey really well. Mm. And Isan Dorsey was actually the first person I met at the Zen center. I remember coming from the airplane, uh, in the early evening, knocking on the door of the Zen center. And finally, the door opened, and who was there? Uh, Isan Dorsey. Uh.
2: Uh,
1: Yeah, and so uh, Isan Dorsey, from the very first, uh, made a really uh, nice impression uh, on me. He was a really nice guy, and I became really good friends with Isan Dorsey, too. Uh. And he came to Santa Fe, too. And uh, then, of course, after he came uh, here, after that, he uh, started his own place in, uh, in uh, the Castle District. Right. In, uh, and so I saw him there, too. I stayed with him there, mm. and uh, he became a really close friend to me there, too. Mm. Isan Dorsey. I love Isan Dorsey and uh, I love what he did with uh, with all of the junkies, and also uh, with all of the eight people uh, where he was in the Castle District. Yeah. So uh, Isan Dorsey very high in my uh, in my regard. Um, uh, and uh, I became really good friends with Isan mm. and So nice that he came here too, to Santa Fe, but uh, I went to uh, several times uh, to see Isan Dorshi, and one time, and I forget who the other guy was, a uh, very nice guy too, in the, in the Zen Center, but Isan had asked me to do vacation.
0: To do what?
1: One week vacation.
0: Oh. Maybe Mike J- Mike Jamvold.
1: Yeah, maybe it was Mike Jambold. I don't know. He was a he was very smart guy too, uh, and pretty uh, for Islam. Oh yeah, I said Islam. Uh, uh, why did you uh, ask this guy, uh, Michael Gamble, maybe? Was it that, that his name? Uh, and me, why did you ask uh, him me, to do also of these with uh, Isan Doshi And uh, Isan said, oh, you, you can see most attractive guys, uh, <laughs> the most attractive guys that were around.
0: There was Mike, there was Steve Allen. Uh,
1: no, no, not Steve Allen. No, it was Mike, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, um, Steve Allen anyway. didn't
0: socialize with his son the way Mike did.
1: Okay, now Mike, uh, and I, I didn't really socialize, uh, of course, no, I did socialize with his son, Yeah. but not uh not in uh, in a homosexual
0: manner no no, it's on I used to live with each he he had lots of experience living with straight people and being around straight people yes. he had no that
1: was the nice thing about
2: Itzan.
0: yeah, he didn't really even have gay identity i wouldn't say uh no uh and he was very gay <laughs> and, yeah he
1: was very. gay. <laughs> Uh, yeah but he was a beautiful uh, man and uh, a beautiful teacher too uh, I, I would say yeah uh, I loved his outdoorsy uh,
2: yeah
1: his and we had a vacation in uh, in Palm Springs in uh, oh California. you went there with
0: him yeah far, far out that's when he had AIDS right
1: Yes, he had already AIDS. Yeah, uh, but uh, we had a hotel there, and two gay people were running the hotel. That he were friends of Isam, and, and uh, Isam was just so funny and and wonderful with them. Also, uh, uh, making clear to them uh, like. You know, they had prejudices that Isan didn't didn't share with them.
2: Like uh-huh. they had
1: prejudices against women. Isan was just like, oh, well, uh, you know, we had a, there was a little uh, to do. How did it go again? Um, Isan and me were there. And then uh, uh, then they came one evening uh saying like I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I can't believe it some woman is moving into the hotel I am so sorted and he
2: <laughs>
0: was just
1: laughing and laughing uh, because he uh,
0: couldn't care. Less. Yeah. Yeah yeah. Uh Simonow Simono uh, Jade Simono went there with him. Uh, yeah,
1: that was, with, what was his name again?
0: Jay Simono.
1: Jay. Yeah, Jay. Okay, I wouldn't mind uh, being Jay again and uh, uh, talking a little about uh, Islam and what his time was like.
0: Yeah, but well, you won't be able to.
1: Why? Jay died?
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, so I had one week with Isan, and then Jay had with Isan as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, I sort of saw those as two separate weeks. Uh, and one thing I remember is that Isan knew at, at, that's when AIDS was terminal, you know. Uh, yes, that's when AIDS he, he knew he was, was dying, it. so he, he yeah. would go there. He got all these credit cards, and he'd go there and charge everything on his credit cards so that he would die with a lot of credit card debt.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we had a joke. uh, Isan and me had a joke, uh, something like, uh, whoever owns the most wins. And that was about credit cards.
0: At this point, Willem and I decided it was time to say goodbye. Uh, and um, Benny said, oh, but there's so much uh, we didn't talk about. And he said, oh, I kind of didn't talk about the Dalai Lama. So uh, we agreed he'd take notes and write things up. And we'd put it on his page on kuk.com. If there is one, and if there isn't, I'll start a page for him. And... Uh, And if he wants, we can just do another podcast. So we'll see what happens there. And then we say goodbye. But um, as usual, that extends into uh, saying some other stuff and then finally really saying goodbye. All right, cool. And we'll be in touch.
1: David, this has been a pleasure for me.
0: Yeah, yeah. I've enjoyed it. It's it's um, good, and uh, I need a picture of you uh, for it. And I would like a a now picture and a then picture. You know what I mean?
1: Oh, okay, okay. So I did not too many pictures were taken at that time of me, uh, but I find something.
0: You know, and um, Barbara Wenger has tons of pictures. Of people who were there in the years, that when you, yeah, you, yeah she has
2: a picture.
0: Yeah, so, uh, but um, I'll, I'll send her an email and ask her for something. Yeah, and, and I
1: will see. find a picture of what I look like now.
0: Yeah, right. That's exactly right. The one that the the now one is uh, actually more important. Because yeah. that goes with the podcast. The then picture goes on cuke.com. it And it, okay. the, the then picture can come up anytime. Well, here's a good picture of you right now. Oh. Okay. Uh, that's a good picture. I have... I'm, I'm looking at Cloud Cliff. What is this? Uh, oh, I just... I wrote Villa Mountain, Cloud Cliff Bakery... Uh, images and uh, yeah oh let's see well there's one there's two of them with a good face of you see I could take out oh that is great what is this picture let me see cloud cliff Santa Fe the story of cloud cliff oh that's a very good picture of you there master Villa mountain master Baker how old is that picture? Do you know? You've got a hat on and like a leather coat. Uh,
1: okay. No, it's probably... That sounds like early time Fowcliffe. Uh Maybe. Uh, I don't know what... <laughs>
0: yeah, but well send a place. present one. There we have uh, And I'll get something from Barbie. If you find something that's older, send it. Oh, here's here's you... With people there with this giant loaf of um, looks like rye rye bread or something.
1: Uh huh.
0: It's like three feet long. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh,
0: all right, very okay, cool. Okay,
1: well, I'll be in touch and I will uh, send you a picture too.
0: Yeah, yeah. Cloudcliffbakery.com is a, a good site, man. Yes. Uh, Yeah, send me any links and stuff like that. All right. Very good. Quite enjoyable talking with you, Willem. Uh,
1: Okay, David.
0: Take Uh, care.
1: I'll talk to you soon. Uh, Okay. I appreciate it so much. I enjoyed it very much. And uh, um, and I will write a few little things uh, that, uh, that I can think of. Uh, but it may be uh it won't be a real story or anything i like don't that. care it you do it any be. way you want
0: i, I don't care okay. i don't you know whatever just jot things okay. down at random uh okay you know whatever you want it'll all be fine doesn't have okay. to like you said you are you like Zen, but you don't uh, like you don't want to continue the, any particulars Zen forms. So write me what you want, no, but you well, don't have I to. I
1: like to practice,
0: though. Yeah, you like to practice. So let's say you like to practice writing, but you don't necessarily want to be stuck on any particular form. <laughs> no. All right, that's fine. Exactly. <laughs> Not anymore. Yeah, well, that's, that's good. That's good. All right. Take care. Okay. All right. Bye-bye.
1: Okay. Uh, thanks very much, and uh, talk to you soon.
0: Yeah. Okay. Bye-bye. Ciao-ciao. So thanks, Willem Malton. That was really good. We look forward to... Uh, uh, hearing what you send us, or having another podcast, or whatever. We'll see. This has been a CUKE Audio Podcast. I'm DC, Pupa of CUKE Audio and CUKE Archives, coming to you from Sleepy Sonora with Doggett Bandita, Feline Cuchita, and dear lovely Katrinka. And we're wishing you and yours and all of us a grand awakening. <laughs>